If we build it, they will come. And welcome to World Builders, the show where GMs sit around and talk about the things that excite us away from the players. Today I'm joined by Sarah Thompson, who really does need no introduction, but just in case you didn't already know, Sarah is one of the most active and prolific writers in TTRPGs at the moment, having published work for Pathfinder, Cyberpunk Red, The Witcher, as well as being the creator of the Combat Wheelchair for 5e, and I'm sure I'm missing loads and loads of stuff out there because your CV is so impressive already a year in, two years in, however long it's been. Um, well, because I, I remember following you. I think just as you started writing um, or kind of you were leaving university because I remember you talking about your university assignments and I was just starting the Earthsembers podcast and I was like, oh, she seems cool. All this work seems really awesome. And uh, then you just blew up. I mean, deservedly so, I should say. <laughs> and welcome to the show. Um, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, so it's been like a year now um, and yeah, that's kind of wild to think about. Um, it certainly feels like it's been longer in some respects. Um, and then, you know, in some areas it feels like it's it's been like that and I haven't really had much time to process a lot of things. Um, but yeah, working um, kind of all over the place. Um, as I was saying before this, you know, I'm currently working on projects where I have to keep like jumping between different writing styles um, and different rule sets and things. So like trying to keep track of everything is... A lot sometimes. Well, as anyone who knows who's on the other side of the screen, that's kind of the joy of it, isn't it? Like when you're writing, being able to have the opportunity to switch between those different systems is so cool. And I've got to say, having read a lot of your work, I love it. Just here to say that flat out, it's brilliant. I really like people who bring something creative and interesting. And um, I don't want to talk about any of the negatives really today, because frankly, you deal with enough of that on a day to day. And I actually just want to celebrate how brilliant and innovative things are and all the successes, because actually, that's more fun. And it's kind of what what we're here for, isn't it, really? Just to enjoy a, a great, well, for you, now profession, but for most of us, a hobby um, that should just be about a bit of escapism and fun and stories and friendship. And I think the way you've been so inclusive with so many different companies in the last year, I mean, it, it's stellar. Most people, you know, in a year publish a homebrew adventure and maybe get a paragraph in like a zine or a magazine and you've gone straight for working for major publishers. That's a hell of an achievement. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was uh, kind of after, it all kind of took off more after um, uh, I did a charity stream on uh, Simon's show, which is uh, their Wandering DM um, mm. over on Twitch and everything. And they do a lot of stuff from like Witcher to like Dragon Age to, um, you know, cyberpunk, all sorts. Simon does amazing um, shows. And I was on a charity stream for The Witcher really really enjoyed it and got to talking to some of the people who worked at Artosaurian kind of that way um and then when openings came up for you know submit some writing and see what they think and whether or not they'll hire you um yeah I I wrote a short adventure for them and you know sent it in it only had to be a couple pages long um and yeah I I really luckily got the place um and 
yeah, like and and since then I've kind of been going uh, back to them, um, and they've been asking for for more work and stuff from me. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, I, I it was very much um, a chance, like you know, game of chance. Really, the entire industry is based on, for the most part, luck as well as skill. Um, and it was definitely like you know I got very lucky in that regard. Um, and then once I'd done that, then. Uh, you know, I, I put out the combat wheelchair and then Paizo got in contact and, you know, started working for them on Starfinder and Pathfinder. Um, yeah, it's it's all been uh, a little overwhelming to think about sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the it's it's been really fun working in the industry. It's nice to have a job that is, though it's stressful sometimes, that it's, um, you know, it's it's something that I enjoy and love. And when I do figure out how to make a very specific mechanic that I want work, then it's very rewarding. Um, and it's really rewarding when that goes, you know, into playtest and you get feedback and people are like, oh, no, I really like this new mechanic. And like, you know, I want to add that to my character or in my games. So, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. To see that's the kind of the dream of all DMs and GMs is you know we design this stuff at home um, and yeah every GM has an amazing mechanic I really believe that they've got something they really excel at doing and to see your work so widespread and so many people adopting it as mainstream and, and you know we have to mention it because it's I'm sure you get asked about it all the time but to see something like the combat wheelchair in 5e which is such an amazing idea then to have Matt Mercer pick it up for Critical Role and be like, hey, can I use this? Um, I mean, my jaw dropped when that was announced. I was like, I'm so pleased for her, that's amazing! <laughs> and then to have such a cool character on Critical Role actually using it as well. How was that? Um, very surreal. It kind of came out of <laughs> kind of came out of left field. Like, I know Matt had uh, retweeted it um, and liked it and left, like, a very nice comment, mm. um, you know, supporting it. Um, which meant a lot um, and then you know um, didn't really think much about it and then a couple of weeks later just like bam message in my in my inbox and I was like okay what and he was like yeah I, I would like to use this actually in the show and I was wondering if that's okay um, and uh, yeah I had to like put the phone down for like a couple of hours and just like think <laughs> about it like to process it it was very very surreal because um, you know I've got friends who are like really into critical role and everything and yeah to to have you know matt mercer who has written stuff actually for wizards of the coast and you know have it be a thing uh including his own setting so like exandria being a thing now and the yeah. fact that it's getting the the exandria reborn right yeah cool. yeah. yeah so um, cool and from the the look of it the subclasses and stuff that are currently on campaign three it's going to be pretty damn cool um and for him to be like hey i'd like to use your homebrew item was yeah very <laughs> it's it's hard so to cool. put it into words yeah i think really that's the only thing i can say about it is that it was just really cool because um, you mentioned earlier luck and i've mentioned this a bit on this series is you know I, I was a musician for technically still am but was kind of professionally for a while and i I'm kind of in two minds on the luck front because I always think it's luck of meeting the right people. But I still think it doesn't matter how many people you meet, unless it's clearly nepotism. Uh, if your work isn't good enough, no one's going to be interested. And the fact that your work is good enough is the fact that all these companies are interested and great gems like not just Matt, but, you know, just in the community as a whole. Like, this is awesome. I can't wait to put it into my world. It totally made me rethink 
at, like because at the time I was building Erienwell, my own setting, kind of properly. It started as one country for a hey, let's do a quick campaign, and turns into how do I make this into an interesting setting, and it just made me go okay, yeah, actually no, there's loads in there I had never thought about, um, and I, I really enjoy all your kind of discourse about disability around uh, well entertainment as a whole, not just TTRPG and and society, because I kind of it made me realise, hang on, am I disabled? I've been, I'm deaf. I, I rely a lot on lip reading. Um, I've had severe he hearing loss since I was a kid. And it was just Johnny. You know, I just kind of ignored it and went, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't, I can have hearing aids. I choose not to. Um, and I just couldn't kind of process all the stuff that you were bringing up. And I was so pleased to see kind of so many of the positive responses from the rest of the community who are, you know, for whom it's not a fact they can forget. And it is a daily hindrance in most of our society, the way they are treated. That was amazing to see not just cool items that change the world, but that crossing over into real social awareness and hopefully change at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, like, um, I'm glad that I've helped other people who are disabled realise they are, because I think I've said before on Twitter that, you know, the term disabled, it, it comes with a certain connotation with it. Um, and people don't realise that both medically and in the eyes of the law, the definition of disability is just something that affects you for more than six weeks and is part of an everyday um, experience and it affects your everyday life. Um and people with chronic pain were like, oh, I didn't think that counted as being disabled. I'm like, no, it counts. It's every day. You know, it's very much a, a thing. Um, so so getting people to, to realize that, I think, as well. And I think it's helped a lot of people realize just how many disabled people are out there, um, whether they were aware that they were disabled or not. Um, like you said, like there's that part of just accepting it as it's just me um because I definitely went through that when I was you know like because I've had my problems since I was 12 so um you know be, I just thought yeah that's just me I'm like you know that's I guess that's just what it is I didn't have a definition or anything for it um and through my whole like you know going through uh, getting over that kind of internalized ableism I had because I was always like, well, I'm not as bad as like another person, so therefore sure. I can't be disabled and, and things like that. And then, you know, actually realizing that I was disabled and then feeling like I had to feel bad or angry about that um, and kind of, you know, going through that. Um, and I'm glad that I was able to help others realize that it's, it's okay to be disabled because nobody told me that when I was a kid. Um, you know, and that like not even um, other adult role models, like, you know, like your teachers or anything, like that's just not something that you hear. Um, so, yeah, getting to help others see that and change it on a level that like, you know, affects, like you said, like entertainment, not just tabletop games. Um, you know, I've helped out on comic books and people's novels. I've helped out on video games. Um, you know, and talk to people who do TV shows and things. Um, so, you know, having it change on a kind of like fundamental level, at least, and and seeing that, you know, you know, in entertainment, a person doesn't have to be in a wheelchair to be, you know, 
a disabled sure, person. Absolutely. It comes in many forms. So yeah, getting getting to see that and then getting to see people, you know, even now who tag me in like the miniatures that they've made of their disabled character or um, how they finally were able to talk to their DM about wanting to play a character like them um, and how their DM, you know, has learned how to do that. And yeah, it's just, it's been really exciting um, kind of seeing that and getting tagged in people's artwork and everything. Um, just getting to see suddenly like the amount of disabled characters like one that really touched me when in the was in the replies for the combat wheelchair who was like oh i can finally bring back my old character who had to retire because he was paralyzed oh my god that's campaign. amazing so like they were like i get to bring him back because they really liked him and you know that apparently it was it was very emotional when he had to let that character go for sure. um, and the fact you know he could bring that character back because it was a character he played i think for like 10 years or something so getting to bring him back meant a lot to him um so yeah that was really cool and yeah just getting to see perspective change um and like you said hopefully that that brings about more permanent changes but obviously the internet is a cesspit um yeah. and yep. twitter <laughs> kind of more so than other sites in some ways and hell site <laughs> yeah it, it really can be i mean i've met some amazing lovely human beings through it um but generally when i scroll through I think because I'm kind of a gen up in my kind of mid thirties, I think I've just got past the thing of I need to reply to that. That's so outrageous. I think do you know what? It I cannot possibly change that person's perspective. I'm just yeah. going to ignore them. I'm going to come look for cute kitten pictures, Star Wars memes, and cool tabletop content. I'm not going to interact with anyone else. I'm going to carry on doing good in the real world and just leave these suckers to it. Because the thing that really struck me was one of the times where you were talking about uh, online kind of some of the vitriol you were facing that was kind of totally undeserved. I had this moment of kind of the night before I'd been at my local games club and really typically normal human beings, whatever that means, from uh, the south coast of England. And, you know, I, I live in a town. I'm not in some big um, kind of left-wing city. I'm in somewhere quite right-wing and rural. And they were all so cool with it. That was kind of the mad thing is, you know, you look on the internet and it's just fire and explosion and then you turn around and it's like a tumbleweed rolling. Um, and everyone at the club just went, oh, did you see this? Oh, that's so cool. What a cool idea. Are we going to put it in our campaigns? Well, if you want to. Uh, not at the moment. OK, if you want to, just let me know again. And that was the entirety of the discussion. Uh, and then it cropped up again when obviously the critical role thing happens and people are like oh that's so cool that's from critical role and then our local game store um galleon games amazing site uh instantly stocked the minis the moment they came in <laughs> and it's just been so nice seeing because i always think that as artists we don't really get to see real reactions we only get to see internet reactions and we used to have this thing back in the day when we toured of if you release an album and you sell a thousand copies 50 people will loathe it with a passion and you will hear from them every single day. Maybe 20 people will, or 50 people will love it just as much as the others hate it and you will never hear from them because people mm -hmm. generally don't go to write nice things because it seems twee. Well, certainly in Britain, we get really awkward about saying nice things. Like, yeah. am, I, am I being creepy? Am I being... How am I coming across? Whereas, you know, we're never short of the ability to criticise others. Um, but it is nice to see the community at large actually feels very positive when, you know, see, I've not walked in your shoes through it. Um, I'm hoping that you are getting most of that positivity now. 
and people are just embracing the work because it's not just the combat wheelchair you've done obviously you've done loads of other stuff including all your work for pathfinder which was just brilliant again um came out and i believe correct me if i'm wrong because i've been reading all the books recently that was in the grand bazaar wasn't it yes last omen's grand bazaar yeah yes um and there's also some coming out in uh guns and gears i did some stuff in that as well which is more steampunky Ooh, are we allowed to know what that is yet uh yeah it has been announced guns and gears okay. um i can't say what is in it um but okay. i can just okay. tell you that the vibe is more steampunk um, oh that's gonna be so stuff. cool um and uh what else is that they're missing yeah because i wrote i also wrote really the short story for the paizo blog about uh wheelchair using character using one of the chairs from guns and gears um so yeah that was that was really fun um and yeah i think uh that the community kind of becoming a bit more positive about it and accepting of it um it definitely matt mercer played a massive role in that um and i have like you know held the opinion of the, the people at the top or the people who are viewed as like kind of figureheads for the community that if they use these things and are shown to be using them in a positive manner they have like the opportunity to really change yeah. people's perspectives um yeah and like i went on i did watch the episodes that had dagon under thorn in um and uh, yeah, because I've only really kind of joined in Critical Role now at season three. I I do plan on catching up someday with one. And I mean, two. look, there is so much media to watch in the world. So yeah, there is no time, right? Um, and uh, so I, I watched those episodes with Dagon Underthorn and getting to see the chat kind of progress. There were there were like a few, you know, hmm. people who will, who will say certain things. And I think, like you said, like it's a lot of it is to do with the anonymity of the internet. You know, they yeah. think they can get away with saying things that they wouldn't say to somebody's face just because there seems to be that disconnect from there as an actual person at the other end of this account. Um, and uh, like seeing the chat kind of progress uh, to the point where like by the second episode, most of it, every time Dagon was on screen were people chanting combat wheelchair over and over <laughs> um, <laughs> or being really excited, you know, that Dagon had come back on screen. Um, and yeah, Dagon was a great character. Um, and um, yeah, I really, I really do commend Matt for, um, you know, stepping up and using it in something as big and as important to D&D culture as Critical Role. It's still very surreal, um, but it has helped, you know, the community a lot, really. And it's helped me a lot, um, uh, not just like with people using the combat wheelchair, but also like emotionally, it kind of made me feel more validated, um, you know, and yeah, it, it really helped um, just like on that kind of emotional uh, level um if i ever do meet him in real life i will have to <laughs> tell him how grateful i am though um yeah he he was yeah just really great um and it was really nice to see and just the fact that it you know made others in the community kind of change their perspective i even got tagged in a few tweets after the critical role um campaign wrapped up and like they'd mentioned that critical role had like a big hand in changing their perspective on the combat wheelchair that they either didn't agree with it to begin with or didn't care for it and now they realize why it's so important and you know um or they feel more positive towards it than they did before um which yeah it's great um and it means you know an awful lot but i think the amazing thing is that you know sorry i've just seen some strange fan pull up outside sure it's nothing <laughs> um the 
kind of stories have this really profound effect on us as a society. And I know you're a keen historian as well uh, mm. with your studies. We know that the stories that we tell culturally become the truths of tomorrow. So actually having this positive cultural output, um, say getting away from just man and critical role, your general work as a whole, which is, you know, fantastic. The more it becomes mainstream, the more normalised it becomes and attitudes will shift. Um, we were talking to, I was talking to my wife about when I was at school, you know, 50 billion years ago, the general attitude towards um, homosexuality was still one of kind of derision. And yet now as a teacher, 20 something years later, kids don't care and I mean that in the best possible way there's like it's why would mm -hmm. we care I mean there are obviously always going to be outliers there always are and you know that's our job to kind of deal with them but it's so nice for me seeing oh my god attitudes towards LGBT people has changed so much in the last 20 years you know we've of course we've still got further to go but we've got to celebrate the victories and anytime you make a major step forwards it can feel like you're still wading through tar because uh, you know yeah like I said toxic people but you really have helped bring this stuff forward a massive stride and hopefully there'll be a whole load of new younger people as well who are going hey well if she, they can do that I can do that I'm gonna do something too and then we'll start to see a kind of snowball and hopefully in 20 years from now I mean hopefully please before that but <laughs> you know cultural change takes time hopefully we will then see it as normalised as everything else that is normal, which is, you know, the yeah. kind of kicker, isn't it? Because I know we're um, both Star Wars fans as well. And I, I never got your opinion on Trek. Uh, I've been on a Trek binge lately. I yes. do enjoy Star Trek. Like People who, like, have, I've noticed on Twitter and stuff since I was, like, tweeting about, hey, I've been watching Trek and I've been, uh, you know, getting back into it because I watched uh, Lower Decks, which is excellent. So um, good. It's so good. It completely was like, I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot, see what I think. And it was it just surpassed It's the most Trek thing since Voyager, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really is. Um, and then I, I am re-watching, uh, catching up with um, Discovery now and I'm on season two already, like I started the other day and <laughs> I'm on season two now. Um and uh yeah when i was talking about it on twitter there was that kind of you see that divide of like people who were like i thought you liked star wars and i was like i do i love star i love star wars i have a tattoo for star oh yeah wars. your tats are incredible because um, obviously this will be an audio <laughs> podcast um anyone who hasn't yeah. seen them sarah has posted pics up on their twitter please go check them out they are <laughs> phenomenal tats yeah uh my, you know it's part of my clone wars sleeve and i've got another uh, sitting in December to like kind of start to finish it off and uh, I'm like but I also love Star Trek for the reasons uh, that it's not Star Wars yeah it's everything that Star Wars isn't whereas Star Trek uh, you know whereas Star Wars is everything Star Trek isn't um, and I like it all for different reasons uh, like I like them for the reasons that make them different and apparently that's quite hard for some people who are like staunch Trekkies or staunch you know Look, I don't get it I grew Star up with Wars both fans. and yeah I love Star Wars. It's kind of big, dumb fun with pretendings towards mysticism. Um, and, it, you know, I think the extended universe, which has now been completely wiped out, did a great deal to kind of make it a bit more authentic because the actual movies are just brilliant kids movies, kind of at yeah. least the original ones. Um, and Trek for me, and again, it's controversial, I'll throw it out. I'm sure I'll get lambasted for it. I still, I mean, I love the original series, but Next Gen is still my favourite because it's a bunch of weirdos 
cooperating and learning to expose each other's flaws and support them. And it's kind of something people don't see unless they watch all seven seasons, is that it really did try and attempt to do an overarching plot, but it wasn't about, we're all being murdered, let's fight people. It was Jean-Luc Picard really needs to work on his personal skills and realise he can trust people. Worf needs to realise that actually that he can be emotional. And he is, I will add, the funniest person in all of sci-fi. Uh, and I yeah, will stand Wolf by that great. statement. I love Wolf. He's His great, lines, yeah. Michael Dawn, what an actor. <laughs> and, you know, it's yeah. this incredible family. And uh, obviously there's huge discussions about diversity happening at the moment, which are really positive. And it's, again, great we're taking strides. For me growing up, I looked at that as someone who is you know, a child of immigrants. And I sound very British, but I'm really not. Um, mm-hmm. it, it made me have hope that, you know, they weren't just the big, tough, sporty people and people took them seriously and you could talk your way through situations and you could show your affection towards your friends and support each other and still work things through. And kind of thing I liked about fantasy, you know, if you were a good person and you stuck by your morals and you stuck by your friends, things would work out. Yeah. And I would actually say Star Wars deeply lacks morals quite a lot of the time and kind of the way some of the characters act, but I like it Mm -hmm. because it's fun it's just a lot of fun and i think that's something why i'm a fan of the gray jedi rather than (laughs) rather than light side and dark side (laughs) yeah i mean you know we could we could talk extended universe there's loads of interesting stuff that got wiped out from the early 90s that was great um and actually we totally should talk star wars because i know you're a huge star wars fan (laughs) um star wars yeah so for anyone who hasn't heard, uh, Sarah and I were on a live stream like six months ago now, something like that. It was a while. I, I don't yeah, even remember when. It was um, uh, Jasper's game day, right? Yeah. Well, we were in um, Paradise. Oh, they're no longer Paradise RPG. I think they're Paradise Productions now. Um, ha- we're doing a stream and we uh, both got invited on to be characters in the FFG Star Wars game, which was awesome. And I should admit that so our characters fun. hated each other. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, you weren't... I don't, I don't know if you said your character had actually been a Jedi or if uh, you I was, didn't like, say, yeah. had one, like, level of training. Um, but, yeah, and, like, my character who very much disagreed with the Jedi and the fact that their morals and how they, you know, involved themselves in the war and how it led to, like, the siege and then eventual purge of Mandalore um, and the kind of culture that was wiped away all because the Jedi refused to, like, actually stand up for themselves, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, and care about others and admit that attachments were okay sometimes. Um, yeah, so, like, having two characters that, like, really hated each other was great. Um, and I felt so we, sorry for Stefan. I think we absolutely derailed his game. Yeah, we, yeah, we really like the the moment he was like, "Oh, there's like stormtroopers," and my character got the idea of oh, make a distraction, just shoot a stormtrooper straight through the head and hope for the best. Um, yeah, it was yeah, that was that was a really really fun like one shot. I really enjoyed that. Um, like that's a character that I've had for a while and like you know have put like a lot of time into but I haven't really had the chance to play him sure um, I mean, have you heard yeah. that because obviously FFG dropped the Star Wars franchise mm-hmm. um, but did you hear they've been picked up I, I've top of my head I can't remember the publishers because I'm in the middle of collecting them all at the moment um, as you might be able to see from the shelf behind me and mm-hmm. doing that thing where trying to track down books and not wanting to pay four times the asking price 
And yeah. then my local game store said, oh, no, they, they've been picked up by another games company who are republishing them all, and they're going to do some new ones. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> the dream is not dead. I mean, it's my, one of my favourite game systems because it's so light touch on the rules, really, compared to you know Pathfinder or Cyberpunk um, yeah. or D and D, and it's so kind of story driven. And yet there is enough meat there to do some really cool things. Well, the fact we managed to play like a three hour, four hour game and not use a lightsaber and still make the whole force thing cool. Is, I think, yeah. a real testament to that system. Yeah. I'd always been, like, kind of a fan of the light side, dark side dice so that the GM could enforce bad things to happen at points yep. in the stories. Like, hmm, players are getting along a little bit too well. Like, you know, I'll put something in to kind of divide them up or, like, have, you know, fate change and that kind of thing. And that, like, really adds an element to, like, how the Force works, you know, especially if you've got, like, a Force-sensitive because they, they'd be like, oh, the Force feels weird and then, you know, a bad thing happens. Um, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, like that's always been like one of my favorite mechanics for it. Um, and yeah, like uh, I've been collecting the books as well, but I've kind of been sticking to like my favorite era. So like I've got the books for like the Clone Wars and just about the fall of the Republic yeah. um, at the moment because they're like my favorites. Um, and there's a lot of Obi-Wan Kenobi fan art in it, which I appreciate very yes. much. Um, and clones, of course. And I love sitting there and I see the armor now because I've watched all the Clone Wars and I'm like, oh, that's Jesse, that's Hardcase, that's Rex, because you can tell by their helmets and things, which is always nice to like see in like the official See, I gotta say, I love with younger people who grew up with Clone Wars. I love seeing your guys' affection for that era. I kind of because I have that affection for Han and Chewie and Luke and yeah. all the stuff that's no longer canon. I've got some great seventies comics that obviously I wasn't born when they came out, but I kind of collected them in car boot sales when I was a kid and all that extended universe of knowing people like Mara Jade and all yeah. the stuff that should have been an actual star killer and you know han and leia's three children um mm -hmm. um and none of that none of that exists anymore it all just got wiped yeah. so i'm it's... really glad that you guys at least get to see now like the bad batch come out and then we've got obi-wan stuff coming out and the mandalorian is a show coming yeah. out yeah oh. um yeah i'm like so excited for like the kenobi show i remember being like excited when it got announced and like it was like ewan mcgregor returns as obi-wan and then they were like and hayden christensen and i was like oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah i i really that was like when i was like no now i'm like that was like me when i heard about ewan and it was like this is me now now i've heard about hayden um i was so excited for that when that um announced i think i even like retweeted it and i was like the return of the king at long last oh um, i'm hyped <laughs> i very rarely get hyped for stuff anymore because i think i've just i mean look i i lived through the mass effect 3 when it launched i lived through skyrim uh, special edition which i spent like 300 quid to get the crazy big boxing and i was like no. it comes with this incredible dragon and uh, i was living with my best friend at the time and like they both collect video games more than they're not really tabletop people and um like all their collector's items are you know like metal or porcelain or something really really cool and they're like here's a plastic dragon like is this really worth four times what i paid for the game yeah. i'm not okay with this bethesda and um yeah they've been in my shit books ever since then and to be honest i don't think they've ever redeemed themselves their games no. certainly haven't recently they they really haven't um 
And then, you know, there's, uh, I mean, I mean, Bioware are kind of bouncing back at least. So there's that. I'm very excited. Let's hope for, so. I'm excited for Dragon Age 4. Yes, um, yes. And I was nervous to begin with. And then just out of the blue, David Gator was like, and I'm returning to write. And I was like, oh, thank God it's been saved. <laughs> See, now we've got to have a Dragon Age discussion because I've got a dear friend who's on my stream with me who doesn't understand my love of those games, even though he's played them. Uh, he once called them perfectly forgettable, um, but then it's all right. He's he's a contrarian. I love him, but he is a contrarian. Uh, and well, I then he, I'm sure you have a friend like this, a friend that you purposefully wind up because it's sort of the whole heart of your relationship. Um, so I once yeah. told him that he didn't understand those games because he played them wrong, uh, because the only correct way of playing them is to be an elven mage or a mage at every opportunity you get. So obviously in two, you can't be an elven mage, but on all the others, you should be a mage. But on one and three, you should be an elven mage because you get so much more dialogue and the plot is tying into that as an endgame, um, which is, you know, you can play those games however you want. All of them are valid, but I just like winding him up that he's wrong. So now knowing that, what do you play as in Dragon Age? Um, I, I play as either a mage or a rogue. Yes. Um, and I usually play as an elf. Yes, um, because it's correct. I just, I enjoy it a lot. I think it's because I think I was really influenced by the novels because when I played the first game, I was kind of detached from the story it was trying to tell. And I was like, oh, just the bad guy being the bad guy, you know. Sure. Um, but when you read the books and you get context of why the bad guy is the bad guy, you kind of see from his perspective and, you know, you can make actions that like, are more yeah like more influence that world um based on what you read in the books because you can't help but feel bad um for a lot of the characters and who they ended up being and uh yeah that that was like when I was like okay I'm gonna have to like give Dragon Age a try because like I replayed the first game and I enjoyed it uh I played the second game and I'm of the opinion that the second game is actually a good game it is no story-wise it's incredible it just suffers from having some of the worst maps ever made because they're just too repetitive Yeah. yeah Um, it introduced us to Varric, the best character. Oh, love Varric. Um, and I was like, in Dragon Age 4, we better be able to romance Varric or I will riot. Like, Right. <laughs> I just, it was so upsetting when in Dragon Age 3 there were like romance options and then it just wouldn't let you romance Varric. I was so disappointed. <laughs> and I've got to say of Dragon Age 2, mild spoilers for a game that I believe is over a decade old at this point. Um yes. There is a point where the main character, Hawk, has to have a confrontation, a ring fight with another really major character. And if you pick fighter or rogue, you can essentially go toe-to-toe with this character, and I'm sure it looks really cool. However, this was a point where you can't cast magic. Um, You can only hit them with your stick. So as a mage, my tactic was to run in a circle buff him and then keep running until I could break the animation that's, that's what I did right? <laughs> I couldn't beat it otherwise <laughs> no and I've just gotta like, a lot of people said that was bad mechanically because you should be able to use your magic I just think it's funny because I like to imagine in this really serious world Hawk going oh my god oh my god oh my god no and just yeah. trying to stay alive it- I loved it. It made it made it feel like a very D and D kind of move. It was like this is something yeah. that my really stupid character would have the idea to do. <laughs> so loved therefore, it. it's great. And you know, I'm a big fan of like if you play male hawk. Male hawk is a himbo. I won't hear anybody say any different. Um, oh, see, my, no, <laughs> he really well, is. <laughs> I think I put too much of myself into all my games characters. That's fair. And I I really like playing characters who kind of actually lean into the. 
I never play this when I play a character in TTRPGs, but in video games, I really like going like the lawful good, like I'm going to fall in love with one person because and I'm going to be true to them. Probably fall in love with a bad girl because you know real life. Um, and but you know I'm going to help her find her true heart and make sure she's her best self, whatever that means for us. So mm-hmm. of course I romanced Isabella. Um, like how could I not? And I really liked. Yeah, I really like that. Like even in. Um, if you've played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, I took the mad opinion that I think, although he's not canon, Alexios is better than Alexandra. For the simple reason that Alexandra is a really cool character. Mm -hmm. Top to bottom, she's cool. Alexios is a muppet. He is a himbo. And he's big and he's dumb and he's funny. And then he actually has this arc from going from, oh, I just walk around sleeping with things, to, oh my God, things actually matter. Family matters. I need to actually save my family. And I loved that arc. And when I've seen people do um, Alexandra's run, she just looks cool all the time. And I don't know, I just like being a big dumb person who actually, it's like hoping my bullies from school developed a soul at some point in their 20s and 30s and became humans um mm-hmm. we can but hope yeah i mean i kind of just go with it because i i don't know why i'm just like himbos are just great and i love them like all of my favorite characters are pretty much himbos you've got Geralt Arivia, yeah. himbo um <laughs> you've got um uh iron bull from dragon age 3 himbo yeah you know like there's just that there's just something about that i think it's like if, if I was actually in this world, I'd probably act like that and do those really ridiculous things because I have no idea what's going on half the time and nobody would tell me anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I genuinely like go for those characters a lot more. Um, but in, in Dragon Age 3, um, because, you, you know, you could make your own character, mm-hmm. um, your Inquisitor. And uh, when I played through as, um, as, a, as a guy, I played as a, you know, a rogue elf. So I played as male Lavellan, um, and I romanced. I didn't want to romance anyone because I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I haven't found like a character I vibe with yet. And then Dorian came along, and I was like, He's my boy. Dorian is where it's at, um, and his story is great. I, I just like his kind of growth as a character. Um, you know that he's like flirty and silly with his friends, but like is there when you actually need him, and he kind of grows into that and his own. Um, and then when I did. Uh, a female um, Lavellan. Uh, I had it be um, that she was a mage as well. Um, and then I romanced Cullen. And Ooh. Cullen has some Ooh, that the, story. He has the best character growth because she obviously like Dragon Age Origins and he hates yeah. mages and he's very frightened of them. And also like doesn't like the elves very much either because of, you know, um, racial tensions and stuff that's all the way through Dragon Age. Um, as a setting and romancing him and seeing him like denounce the order basically like as part of his character growth and uh his addiction to lyrium um as well um and and helping him through that and yeah getting him to process that kind of trauma that he went through in dragon age origins when he was tortured by mages um was really cool and the romance for it, it's like it almost feels like really rewarding <laughs> because yeah. the story is so good. Um, and I know it was one of the it's kind of controversial because I know it was one of the romances that was kind of added in at the last minute. Um, but who the people who wrote that romance clearly knew 
column very well um, and made it work really well. And like whenever I play a female character, I will only now romance Cullen because oh, I, I love really that. like his storyline. Um, and I also really like Blackwall as well. Blackwall has a very good storyline. Oh, he line. broke my heart. See, because I tend to play yeah. um, kind of brothers-in-arms style male characters where mm-hmm. they're always the thinky one. <clears throat> but loyalty is everything to me. Like, so if someone's going to break my heart and betray me, I can't pull him out, but he wasn't in my party again. That's it. Like, oh, I'll look no. after you now, but you broke my heart. <laughs> Dorian, I was really convinced I was going to romance Dorian and uh, as male Llewellyn mage because it was just on the cards. And I was like, actually, he's my bro. I can't... We're, we're not going to come back to this, and this is great. And so I ended up setting him up with Iron Bull, which is... I love that. I really love that side plot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't romance him, they, they romance each other, which is fantastic. Because they were my two best bros. That was, like, the, the centre of my party. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, those two are in love. This is great. And then I was kicking out with Josephine because I love um, the whole... I mean, it's kind of hard to explain how much of a spin it was to be like, hey, what if elves were scum? And everyone hated them because throughout traditional high fantasy, elves are always, you know, we're the elder race, the powerful ones to have them sort of be outcast and hidden and disgraced Mm -hmm. and mages as well. And then to be an elf mage, like you get a whole extra scene um, on the walk to the fortress that's really cool and powerful. And then playing that out and then just being like, well, of course, I'm going to date the most royal person and completely (laughs) scandalise everyone and i'm the inquisitor what are you going to do about it i will destroy your yeah. world um it <laughs> yeah. just speaks to the kind of the chaos agents in me yeah yeah i think like you were saying about how like you know you play that lawful kind of good character i used to kind of be the same with rpgs and then uh i played force unleashed um, yeah in which you take your light side and your dark side actions and i found that sometimes you had to do dark side actions because it was better than what the light side was offering like the alternative was kind of bad like and that it put you into like those um rock and a hard place like places where there wasn't gonna be a win no matter what happened so you had to take what was very true to like your ideals as the player um so what I yeah. liked about Witcher 3 as well, it's, you know, another yeah. huge shared passion that Geralt's world is not a world of black and white and every mm-hmm. decision is more grey heading towards black than anything else. And uh, what a game where you felt like you were making good decisions only to see every decision play out badly. And, you know, I reloaded, I think, my save for every side quest to mm-hmm. make sure I'd seen both sides to actually decide which one I felt was correct. And I just remember feeling horrendously depressed the first time I played the game, going, I can't be a hero. Then I read the Witcher books and went, yeah. oh, I get it. Okay, yeah, I can go back yeah. and do that now. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm supposed to be. I know who he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of went in cold on Witcher 3, which was not a yeah. good idea. It's it's like why I recommend people read, you know, like Last Wish and Sword of Destiny before they play Witcher, if they want to, that is. Because a lot of people um, I've noticed who only play like Witcher 3, they they come across and they think that Geralt's like this big macho like you know. Oh yeah, I thought he was a dick guy. for a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people's impression of him was like that. Um, they they kind of go, you know, and fairly so. Oh, just another like grizzled white dude in fantasy, you know. And I get that. I really do. Um, and then you know you actually read his story and it's about overcoming like toxic masculinity. The fact that sure. he's encouraged you know to show emotions. The fact he's disabled and you know trying to fit in in a world that 
uh, created him but does not want him. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, it's I, I always make the joke that The Witcher Three is just Dad Simulator 2015. Like that's all it is. It's Dad Simulator, Fantasy yeah. Dad Simulator, um, because your choices affect what happens to Siri, and if you don't, you know raise her properly oh my god you know? yeah that ending i'm not gonna say what it is but that ending is rough and it hit me <laughs> that was my first ending because i didn't no. really get it and i think that was the point where i was so angry at the end just at myself not again going i yeah I, I always get the good ending how did i end up here so I, I actually did i kind of went and read the things like you've got to do this this and this so, well i'm doing it then i, I can't let that happen to Everyone in the world, again, spoiler free for a game that's six, seven years old. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, some people may not have played it. So I, I, I went and replayed it and I really loved it. But with our timing short, I do want to pull it back to TTRPGs a bit because one of the things I, I, I really want to talk to you about that um, is dreams and kind of, you know, the dream projects or the things that you really love that maybe aren't going to get monetized or aren't, obviously, not anything under an NDA. Um, like for me it's working on my own homebrew setting that kind of takes in parts of my ancestry from india and italy and being like here's a thing set in the classical bronze age because we don't see enough cool fantasy no, in don't. the classical bronze age mm -hmm. it was amazing oh, iron age really um for you what's the things that you're like this is what i would love to do you know here's a here's a billion pounds and anyone you want either working for you or leaving you alone whatever is more mm -hmm. applicable what do you do I really want to make my own tabletop, like a, a new system, you know, and everything and just really, uh, you know, have that kind of diversity, especially on the disability angle, mm. just be a part of it. Like, and it's just there from the get go. I just want there to be a core rule book that doesn't have any, oh, extra DLC or things that you have to buy and get in order to get access to that diversity. Um, you know, I want... I just kind of want it to be there and let it speak for itself. Um, and uh, yeah, I kind of, I really want to do that. Um, and especially something with horror. Um, Cause I know I've talked about it a lot on um, my Twitter about, you know, how horror and ableism very much hand in hand, mm. uh, you know, the stigma of, um, cause disabled people very much fall into that stigma of the other, um, the same way that people of color are seen as the other in um, a lot of fantasy settings and things. Um, and, uh, you know, anybody who's not seen as, you know, the stereotype of, like, you know, the, the people that you belong to or an identity that you belong to, they must be the bad guys or they must yeah. there must be something not to like about them that makes what they're doing and what you're doing validated against them. Um, and I kind of want to... Uh, I think there is no way that we can, you know, remove ableism out of horror, but I really want to make uh, a kind of setting, and this comes off from, I won't say for which TTRPG, but, because uh, NDA, but from <laughs> a um, an adventure I wrote uh, for a setting in which um, ableism is very much in the core of what happened to cause this story. Um, right. And, the, you know, it, it talks about, like, and, and represents these people who thought they were doing something right as doing something very bad, like, you know, and um, it's supposed to make the players kind of question whether or not these people deserve what they got because of what they did. Um, and, you know, it very much calls into to morals. And um, I really wanted to, 
uh, apply the kind of um, obviously like uh, for example like Grimm's uh, fairy tales. Yeah. Like you know how they always get told like how how hardcore they are because they're the original fairy tales. Um, but you would have people you know quote disfiguring themselves or they were cursed and the curse was um, for example the girl with no hands she was cursed to not have hands. Um, and but you know by becoming very pious and religious you know mm. she managed to get her hands back you know because you have to to you know be pious and maybe one day you'll be magically cured um, and I wanted to I wanted to take that and apply it to this and uh, you know really make the players think about you know what's happened why it happened and you know the morals of it and why it's bad um and you know to really kind of get that uh you know to, to make them think to make a lot of people who don't think about it actually think about it and why they treat disabled people a certain way like why isn't a disabled person's life worth more or equivalent to you know an and um uh an able-bodied person's life um because even now in medicine you know, they pull that a lot of the time, like that bullshit quality of life thing, where they're like, oh, but you're in a wheelchair. So like, you know, you, we won't give you the resources if something happens and we're on a shortage. We'll give it to the person who's able-bodied. And you're like, that makes no sense. You know, that person is only using a wheelchair. That doesn't mean that their quality of life is bad. It's just hmm. you think that their quality of life must be bad. Um, so yeah, getting getting to... to make a horror setting that addresses that at its core, um, you know, and talks about the morals. And I think that's very much for me, it's very much like influenced by the Witcher of like, you know, nothing's black and white. Very Everything is very morally gray. Um, and, you know, you have to take in the perspective from all sides and, and you know, realize why these things happened um, and what can you do in the future to prevent these things from happening. Like, I would really like to do something. That would be very cool. speaks on it. I would love to see that. I mean, I'm a big fan of anything that takes things and reframes them and, again, makes people examine their own morals and why Mm -hmm. we think certain things we do. Because anyone who's studied history, you know, even a modicum, just understands how much our modern views are kind of framed by just the most insanely primitive biases that were completely unbased in any fact or reality or even study. Um, And, you know, I've said it, loads the first few episodes i was kind of lucky enough to um interview people from kind of different religious uh cultural backgrounds than ourselves in britain and and europe as a whole and like i've always said i think monotheism is the greatest evil that's ever been visited upon us because that kind of the removal of nuance from thought Mm -hmm. is the death of diversity and i think in cultures where you know like our own once before all of this where we did have more diverse deities that were addressing certain things people well they weren't as accepting because it was a different time but they were more open to new ideas because yo you've got a water god we've got a water god maybe there's something we Mm -hmm. can learn whereas you know the last two thousand years of narrative in the west at least or five kind of three and a half thousand if you include parts of the middle east it has all just been you do you think something different you believe something different we must either conquer you or destroy you and Mm -hmm. that's not healthy or smart or yeah. accurate at all like the entirety of the crusades oh god the dumbest yeah. the dum-dum the, wars yeah, as i like the, to call the stupidest, them the stupidest war that ever happened it was just hey you pray to a different person than i do and i don't like that so now i'm going to try and take away everything from you and it's like why 
why but why this is what that? gets me is because i've got a friend who's a historian and we were talking about the crusades and you know like there was sort of nothing to do with religion it was all to do with like the papal see kind of wanting to impose and regain power with constantinople and everything that was going on yeah. there versus like a lot of the stuff in the middle east about people needing to unify the tribes against uh, or cities against a, a common enemy and so you actually have behind every single scene people making money or people getting power and they use these belief structures as ways yeah. of making everyone else's lives miserable um which is just so infuriating which is why i love stories because it's the only way where we can point at it and go this is happening folks this is still going on it's just you know our stories are getting a little bit more nuanced now because like, i kind of my big worry at the moment for why well, it's grandiose something i've noticed is that um I'm kind of a bit, a bit down on modern fantasy in kind of the last 10 years because I think it's lost its hope. Like, I think about the things I grew up with, and yes, they were deeply problematic in their own ways because it was a different culture and different era, but the kind of the, the bumbled message was always one of unity and hope and togetherness and a brighter tomorrow. And then we've had, like, George R.R. R. Martin. We've had kind of a lot of stuff now is about, as you said, kind of pointing out disfigured people being bad and that's it that's their punishment or you know you have to live with your mental trauma as a punishment and you know even gods are actually just messed up everything's messed up the world's doomed I'm like that's well nothing's going to change then what are we all doing here we need to actually tell stories of hope we need the jedi to come back and offer some hope <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah we need um like you were saying like you know that whole like unification thing that that's at the core of what star trek is and I think that's why Star Trek's really beautiful. It's about finding yeah. those those common causes and those common thoughts and seeing each other as people before we judge them for anything else, which I think, you know, like you said, like a lot of modern fantasy and sci-fi just doesn't seem to do that. It kind of becomes like bad guy against good guy. Have at it. And I mean, Star Wars has that a lot, like especially in like the core sure. movies. Um, but, you know, with... Uh, it's why, like I say, like, you know, if you want to see Clone Wars and, and you know, you see, like, that kind of thread of Star Trek through that, that whole, like, you know, finding new places. Um, and even though it's about uniting people against the Federation, um, you know, it's still about coming together in the hopes that they have diplomacy and can govern their own lives. And it all goes horrendously wrong with the Empire. But, <laughs> you know, like the fact that that's also like a core message um as well and uh getting to yeah I, I i do think modern fantasy does kind of lack in that regard there's like a few that uh a few authors that like i still think of as like kind of writing in that style neil gaiman's definitely one oh of my hero um, yes like especially like you were talking about like gods being wrong and everything and i was like american gods and and um, boys good omens as well yeah yeah um, and Good Omens as well um, is fantastic, like that kind of modern fantasy of, you know, God is wrong sometimes because God is still a person and messes up. And the fact that a demon and an angel can find, uh, you know, companionship and love in one another, um, even though they've been told all their lives, oh, no, you know, you know, devils are evil and yeah. angels are supposed to be good. And you actually realize a lot of the angels are 
awful people, um, but they're well, doing they it in the Well, they're all the name same. This is yeah. what really bugs me. I mean, just very quickly, I once got kicked out of a church. <laughs> I mean, I'm part Italian. I grew up around kind of Catholic community. Yeah. I got kind of excommunicated unofficially from my uh, local church um, because <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I asked a very simple question. Um, I said to the priest, so the devil is a fallen angel, right? And he's like, yeah, rebelled against God, you know, gave me the spiel. I went, okay, okay. And humans were the only people or the only beings given free will. Yes, that is correct. Right. How did the devil rebel without free will? Did God make him rebel? Because he can't have chosen to rebel. Mm-hmm. So it, surely, like, if you're doing the devil's will, you're doing God's work? And I was asked to leave. Uh, and <laughs> it's one... But it's like you look at anything... Well... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's... It's that that whole thing, you know, like um, in in Good Omens about like God isn't ineffable and you should ask those questions and question God. And uh, what is it where there's a bit um, and I'm glad that they included it in the TV show because you've got David Tennant and Michael Sheen doing incredible. Oh, so good. I was very worried when I announced when I when everything that I truly love gets announced, I always think, oh, no, it's going to get butchered. But they did such a great job. It was pretty much almost word for word from the yeah. book. And I think Neil Gaiman did a great job in writing the script that way because he was mm-hmm. like, I want to honour Terry because Terry's not here, um, which was really lovely of him to be like, nobody changes anything. We have it happen how it happens in the book. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the bit that I think about a lot um, in questioning faith and stuff is the bit where, um, <laughs> where uh, he's stood there and... Um, uh, Aziraphale uh, is like, um, you know, they they ate the apple and therefore they've had to leave the Garden of Eden. And Crowley turns to him and goes, "Is like, if they weren't supposed to eat the apple, why wouldn't he put it in a garden? Why wouldn't he just put it on the moon or something? And Aziraphale's like, I have no answer for that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's really good. I, I, I enjoy that. And I think, like you said, like a lot of modern fantasy and modern sci-fi as well kind of suffers from that like it's it doesn't seem to to have that kind of but it's very uh, abrasive as well yeah that, that kind of truthfulness and like like you said hope um i mean there is uh in terms of modern fantasy brandon sanderson oh i love sanderson Fantastic. but but i've still got to say uh, may i be proven wrong because I, I would say i think he's possibly the, the greatest technical fantasy writer at the moment like his actual pure <laughs> skill and ability to weave a world and a narrative is just unparalleled how he gets out books that quick as well Ooh, the man's amazing <laughs> he's but amazing at that <laughs> his endings he always writes the yeah. right ending you know and i by no means claim that i could do any better but i've i've never walked away feeling totally satisfied I've always walked away going, oh, I'm so bereft over that character, mm-hmm. but I'm delighted that this has happened, I think, and I think this is the right outcome. Because I think he writes really realistic endings, which is yeah. great, and it kind of hasn't been done. But uh, it, it all depends what one sees as kind of the purpose, I guess, which is another grandiose thought. But I, I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of room in the world for gentleness and kindness. Because as you were saying about good omens, kind of poking fun at religion in the way Terry Pratchett did. Um, and Neil Gaiman, well, Neil Gaiman, I think, is actually very respectful of any culture he kind of writes about. And I've never really seen him poke fun so much as kind of lovingly nod. Whereas I think mm-hmm. Terry Pratchett was very firm on the poking fun politely. And even so, Trek, it was all about, okay, here's an issue. How can we respectfully, calmly, hopefully approach it in an idealistic way so as not to outwardly shock or appall 
and to, to kind of be inclusive from the ground up. And yes, you know, deep issues caused a bit from being of that time. But mm-hmm. I think they did that brilliantly. And I think now we've got such sensitive, brilliant, artistic, creative people around who can build on that and that everything that comes out has to be shock. You know, this is this. It's exactly for these people. And if you don't like it, fuck off. It's like, mm-hmm. that's how is... No, that's not... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, bridging the gap is the point, isn't it? Making us all be people together. Yeah. Taking the people who've got dumb points of view or ignorant points of view and showing them that they're wrong in a way that doesn't ostracise them, but that kind yeah. of allows them back into the fold. It's almost like, you know, presenting it in a celebratory manner. You get people you know, excited and happy about it. And that's kind of like, I guess, the vibe that Trek really has at its core as well. It's like, you know, it's presented in this really like, um, like it's almost joyous that they're finding these different cultures and maybe it doesn't always work out and maybe you're going to get crushed by a boulder by, you know, like a giant lizard man sometimes. It happens. We can bet hope, right? But yeah, but like, you know, it's it's that being excited about like new life and exploring new places and that you won't always know what you get and, you know, eventually uh, learning about them and becoming a better person because you've learned about this. Um, Yeah, I think that's definitely something that's that's lacking. And it's definitely one of the things that made me buy the Star Trek tabletop game. (laughs) You got the Modifius one. Yes, yes. Oh, we've got to play that together. I have it and literally no one else wants to play it. I love Star Trek. Definitely. I've been looking through the rule book and the mechanics just seem really fun and the fact that it's like story and character driven rather than, you know, go out and kill something like, you know, a lot of tabletop games are. I mean, you know, D&D is like that as well. And, you know, like because they kind of came from originally war games. Sure. but yeah, so seeing seeing something that is out there and like wants you to to communicate with people and you know and success is determined by how much you learned about that person and um you know how how you befriended their culture and you know got it to join the federation. I think that's awesome. Like um yeah, a lot more tabletop needs that, I think. I think um, Wild Beyond the Witchlight has done a lot for what D&D specifically can be because it has that whole hey you don't have to have a single combat you can social your way through this and still have challenges and still have fun and you know some tables love really gritty combat I do love really gritty combat and that can be a really cool part of a narrative if it's presented correctly but at the same time it's nice having options and I think more companies like you say that lean into the Trek spirit because I would defy anybody to find a better episode of any TV ever than Darmok um, yep. which is, uh, people who don't know, it's an episode where the Captain Picard gets transported down to a planet with an alien and the Universal Translator doesn't work, or so they mm-hmm. think, and they have to learn to communicate. And it, it's so, it sounds so naff, and yet that that episode has done more for me trying to understand other human beings than I think any other, with like Riker and the first officer of the alien ship just doing the whole macho man, like, we're going to blow each other's face off if we don't hear back soon, kind of yeah. thing. And then those captains having this genuine, well, human moment, because it's written by humans, but just incredible kind of connection. And like, yeah. I wish I could bring that into my games. I don't know how. Um, I probably won't be able to, because most <laughs> of it is like ancient mythology. But yeah. there's got to be a place for reasonableness and talking yeah. and... Yeah. Holodeck episodes. Yeah, like the one with 
with um in uh, like like turning it just back to the witcher in the last wish the book there is one chapter um which is i think it's one of the voice of reasons chapter um and it's all just Geralt talking in a single dialogue to a nun who has taken a vow, a vow of silence and it's just him talking about you know how he doesn't fit in he doesn't belong who he is as a person and like you get that kind of like it kind of sinks in yeah. then because the minute you're kind of like oh it's just like a gritty dark hero you know kind of thing uh he'll do anything to get the job done and then you actually realize that everything weighs on this man and every choice he's ever made like most of them he's hated and he's hated that he had to make that choice and like you know you've got that kind of very realism to it and i think that's kind of when i was like yeah i, I love the witcher that's kind of where like it really like sunk in and like you know because like that chapter really like hit me like a baseball bat. I was like, oh, okay, this character has emotions. It's more he's just presented yeah. because people perceive him to not be a certain way, but here he actually is talking about himself. And I I stand by that as someone's like the greatest fantasy writing is like just that. Have you read um, Witches Abroad? I haven't. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it, but <laughs> it has that moment where it reframes because kind of it's about terry pratchett's Discworld, which is just hilarious anyway everybody should read them yeah. and his character granny weatherwax as much as i want to love vimes and vimes is probably my second favorite character because he's just a bitter old cynic yeah <laughs> there is something about granny weatherwax who is the evil quote unquote elder witch who's cantankerous and horrible where she encounters somebody and that's from her past and she has this whole thing where she basically kind of unloads on them um, at the point of confrontation and says, how dare you make me have to be the good person through this life? I was not born for this. I'm, do you know how hard I've had to fight myself to always be good? And it was so powerful having that, that kind of... Um, well, what I try and teach my students all the time, like courage is not being born brave. Courage is feeling fear and doing it anyway. Um you know resilience is not just being born able to do stuff it's knowing that you have limitations and finding ways of making them work for you knowing that you have certain anxiety triggers and going okay i'm going to actually confront this in a way that's reasonable and humane that allows me to do it and not just you know kind of use whatever i've got going on as an excuse to not engage with myself and someone like granny weatherwax doing that uh, who is like always the hero but you're never really sure what her deal is and everyone's always like oh she's always like one bad day away from going to evil witch pushing someone in an oven it's yeah. such a great book if you like if i have to recommend one discworld book i always recommend witches abroad because it's just a wonderful take up on cinderella anyway mm-hmm. um and yeah granny weatherwax i think everything you're saying about Geralt in that chapter I've read it I totally agree it gave me yeah. Granny Weatherwax vibes I like characters who they seem not whiter than white but they're trying to do good things in a bad world and they won't let it break them even though they're always like a finger away from breaking that's so because that kind of to me feels like the real world yeah you know definitely it yeah. would be so easy kind of creeping towards 40 to just turn into a Tory and go well I've got this and I don't care about anything else now but actually to kind of consistently go how can I help other people where's the compassion I've just got how can I kind of get beyond myself and not take myself too seriously that's kind of our mission I feel as we go out of the vitriol of the 20s which believe me it fades it's really weird when you find yourself looking around and just going I do not have the fire 
that I had in my 20s to like change the world and do stuff. It's everyday ordinary acts of kindness are the most precious and the most powerful now. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Yeah, like I'm still, you know, at that. I get, I've been burnt out and been like, it's just easy, you know, to just give up and just, I, I can't do it anymore. And, um, you know, uh, even now I'm still in that kind of, time frame of my life because I'm only 24 um you know being like I, I'll change the world and whatever when I kind of started and then I kind of like cave in a bit and I was like I've I've changed as much as I can change I guess and I'm gonna have to live with that um and then I don't know like I guess it was kind of like I eventually kind of reached a point online uh where like I'd had certain messages and things sent my way and I was like no you know what I'm just gonna do it now and I'm gonna be driven by spite I'm gonna spite <laughs> people now you know and um like still still put all the care and devotion that I have into every project that I do but I want them to know that when I release it it's specifically to spite them to say look you know we're here and like I'm not leaving so it's either you or me buddy like as know, a human I love yeah. that energy the teacher in me is like, look, yep. is that what Picard would do? No, it's not. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think I think when you're, you know, you're younger as well, like everything seems like you can do it. And well, you can. This is the actual thing. Is, yeah. You can. And you yeah. are. The, the, I think yeah. the, the only thing I've learned being, again, not much older than you, really, like only yeah. about a decade, is that patience is really is a virtue. And I know it sounds mm -hmm. kind of cheesy, but... I think the changes you've made, like I said, will become more and more mainstream as it inspires more and more people to make them. And it's that snowball yeah. down the hill. And the problem is we all do that first initial roll and go, oh, well, nothing's happening. And it's yep. it takes so long to see something come to fruition. And yet we're, we're all standing there looking at everyone's Instagrams and they're all in Ibiza doing TikToks or something. I don't know. I'm too <laughs> old. Um, or, you know, they're like in the industry for a year and having their stuff on critical role and having all that kind of stuff happening. And it, it can feel like we are standing still sometimes, yeah. but we're not, we're all on our own journey. As long as we keep doing the right thing consistently day in, day out, treating people well, I genuinely mm. believe the world will get better and you are making a difference with everything you do. I would just like ignore those idiots. Yeah. I know, I know it's really hard and I, oh, yeah. I can't even begin to imagine what you've gone through, but you do something so positive for so many people and for yourself that is about changing a cultural narrative. Mm -hmm. Fuck the morons. They, yeah. like, they're mad about something so small yeah, and something irrelevant in the grand lot, scheme yeah. of the world. A lot of the time that, like, it's something that doesn't apply to them. And I always yeah. say, like, with disability, it doesn't apply to you yet, but eventually it sure. will. Um, you know, so so people because like you know over 40 percent of the u.s population being disabled and and, and all of that stuff and yeah. a lot of them there are probably a lot more because not everybody's diagnosed and if we start actually um, accounting for mental health as well certainly over the last two years look more of our population are definitely fitting that criteria than than aren't and i think we've just got to learn to live with each other and i can't mm -hmm. begin to understand why people would get so angry at people trying to make people's lives better yeah people just trying to like make things better for everyone else yeah it's 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 an odd thing um and you know even though there's that element of spite like when I post these things where I'm just like I know that it'll annoy that one person um because the combat wheelchair came about not just because my friends mentioned it in, in a 
you know a chat once like that they wanted to use their wheelchairs it came about like I really like dedicated myself to it the second that someone said like oh I hate people like you you should just stop complaining and do it uh because it's not on the companies to do it and I was like oh all right then and then I went and did it and yeah and here I am now kind of thing and so there's always going to be that element of like I hope that person who was really mean to me kind of knows now that I did something that I'm really proud of and pleased with um but you know at the end of the day it's still like I you know I said like I put in all that care and devotion because I know to the people who it matters to that you know that they're gonna love it and that it's making their games better for them even if they themselves aren't disabled, it's helping them understand disabled people and their experience is better. And, you know, I couldn't ask for anything really more than that, you know, so. And making people curious to learn is yeah. like the greatest gift. But obviously everyone who is disabled, it, it's, and kind of, it, it, your work's amazing because it is that kind of, oh, there's a bit of me finally in this world that I can choose to or not choose to engage with, but now I have a choice, which I didn't have before, yeah. and that's what people want. But for people who either aren't disabled or don't consider themselves or had never even thought about it, just the opportunity to reflect. It kind of reminded me of that Terry Pratchett quote again. I mean, honestly, the man's a legend, where he went, yes. well, no, but you must be a you because I'm a me and I'm one of us. I can't possibly be one of them. Yeah. And that's, I think, the problem with these idiots when they're, you know, sending hate mail and her- saying horrendous things on the net towards everybody is I think it's really touching on that nerve that's for them that they're, they're so close to that realisation mm-hmm. that they are one of them and not one of us uh, or whichever way around it is that they're actually they're one of the people they don't want to be. And like, that's why as I'm older, I'm just trying not to respond spitefully anymore. It's very hard because you know could yeah. very easily do it we, yeah it's about finding the the sincere people yeah and just the people who are there to aggravate which i've gotten better at i think on twitter now For sure it's just like uh if if someone's got like a valid question i'll quote tweet it with an answer um you know and be like yeah um and uh you know i generally just ignore the people who kind of post the same rhetoric i think a lot of my followers kind of just respond to them now with like an image of the combat wheelchair bingo card which is like some complaint about disability that's been made a hundred times before and disproven and that's all that they get in response um and yeah so it, it kind of you know i i care about helping people who want to understand because the people who don't want to understand will never do it unless they have an incentive to sure you know um, societal pressure once more people are curious more people learn there'll be this overwhelming tide of oh this is normal which you know please it's time people are so ready for it eventually hopefully they can go to any like tabletop game that's running like say in in like a ttrpg cafe or or board game shop and uh just they are interacting with disabled players or disabled npcs and disability is part of it and the fact that they're just gonna have to realize you know that they're the only ones who are against this and no one else is and they're seeing how much fun other people are having and you know that there's no real point to that kind of 
I really yeah. hope I'm alive to see all this stuff because like, I, I got given this book when I was 16 and leaving school um, called The Art of Zen Guitar. This seems mad, but it does link back, weirdly, to Star <laughs> Trek. That it had this whole thing about when you start, you, you kind of fall in love with just random sounds and then you have to learn, and that's your white belt, and then you learn in your practice, eventually you end up black belt once you've learned your scales, and blah, blah, blah. Then the art of the great musicians is to forget everything they've learned and just get on with things and mm-hmm. move forward and do things instinctually. And what I really hope is what I kind of... I'm really excited for the day when diversity and disability aren't talked about because they're normalised. And we can kind of live that Star Trek world of... where I think I've always been in my head. I hope I have. I'm sure I've, you know, made mistra- missteps along the way. But I really think in my head I've always been... You know, rather than, oh, there's Johnny, he's deaf, it's, oh, I'm Johnny. You know, I've got a friend who has severe visual impairment and he's just him. He's I don't think of him and go, oh, he's disabled first. And I know a lot of people who are kind of, in, kind of brushing up against this for the first time are doing that. And I'm really, just, I want to see the day when you're just Sarah, game yeah. designer. And that's enough without being... She will talk about this at length endlessly because not enough people are talking about this at length endlessly yeah. and it's not normalised. And, you know, I'm just so in awe of your journey and everything you're doing and I really hope for you that this just fucking becomes normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think at the end of the day that's, like, kind of uh, like you know, all that a game designer can hope for is that the things that they're setting out to improve are improved and that they stay improved um you know and because it's all kind of new still to the industry like disability content it's about um you know not not because obviously a person has their limit in um how much they can you know create before they get massive burnout but to at least you know continue to keep that ball rolling continue to keep people talking about it because if we don't talk about it then people forget and then we're back to square one (laughs) um so yeah it's it's I want it to, you know, I've said before that, like, I want it to be that I can post up, you know, version guard 10 or whatever of the combat wheelchair in the near, in like the future and whatever, and uh, not have it, um, you know, get notes and likes and stuff because it's a disabled item, yeah. but just because people are excited cool. to get the new cool thing yes. rather than, you know, you know having having to um talk about the fact that it's disability content like it is very important that we talk about disability and disability content but you know talking about it because it should just be a normal thing rather than it being like this once in a lifetime very unique you know thing yeah um i always think um, about like left-handed guitars yeah it should just be a thing that if you need a left-handed guitar because you happen to be left-handed great just get one it should be accessible anywhere for you and it should be normalised. Like, yeah, exactly. Because it's just the worst thing. I just bloody hate people who... It's almost kind of that, like, point-scoring thing. Like, there's two... Like, the people who hate it all are obviously evil and need to become educated. Now, evil's wrong. They're just misinformed. They really need to learn and hopefully be embraced lovingly. And then just the people who are stirring the pot on the other side of oh well i include it because it's disabled yeah, yeah. Like, oh please don't say that that's that's just as bad how about just treating humans like humans yeah and like you know hopefully 
in the future that it can just be a thing that's in tabletop and it's discussed as just being a part of tabletop um, rather than it, you know, having to be this thing that only comes up um, every now and then. Um, Well, maybe with the 5.5 release, you know, maybe Wizards will reach out if they haven't already. Obviously, you couldn't possibly say even if they already had. I mean, mean, uh, no, I've, I've... done some stuff for magic um can't say what obviously but like I've, you know done stuff for magic uh i've no not with dnd um oh, come on wizards sort it out <laughs> literally everyone else in the community it's basically only wizards that aren't using it now which is horrendous yeah and it kind of stands out you know especially because like in the artwork and stuff recently they've been including uh wheelchair using characters and it's like okay so you can do the artwork but you're not gonna actually yeah. make any mechanics or include it to play with so it's nice that i can see myself but i can't damn well play myself unless i go and get a homebrew item like you know and uh i think you know a lot of it is to do with the letdown that was tasha's cauldron of everything um and how they said they were going to be more inclusive and everything and it literally just boils down to oh you have to homebrew it if you want it and here's how you homebrew it and it's like no, that's not that's not what I paid for, you know. You had a perfect opportunity here, guys. You, you yep. literally could have given us something and it would have been better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was very much a letdown. I know that the community was like really disheartened by that, especially I think I think it hurt the most because like there was that hype for mm. it, you know, and that wizards were like, Oh, we're we're doing it and you know, we're gonna be more inclusive and everything and and then we kind of, you know, got backhanded with the book it got thrown at us and they were like take it and be grateful you know <laughs> and it's like oh, okay uh, um so major yeah, industry like, company here folks nothing to see yeah oh, god yeah, that's so it's, bad yeah it's uh it's odd you know and uh i've made my my thing to them i've been like hey you know i'm happy to talk about it and whatever if they ever want to reach out um so really it's yeah, just on them now. I've done what I can do and I'll continue, you know, making um, releases and stuff for the combat wheelchair because I still enjoy it and it's a fun project and I love returning to it. Um, I love seeing it get better and better each time. It's so cool. Although I have got to complain that every time I think I've got an NPC prepped, I'm like, this is great. You then release a new version. I go, yep. (laughs) Back to the drawing boards. Um, to be fair, though, it should be getting easier because uh, Shard Tabletop have taken it up yeah. to add it to their um, oh, codex. That's so cool. Um, so that when you, you know, you make a character, you're like, yeah, I can click that they're using the combat wheelchair. And then it, be, well done, and then it says, like, you know, do you want to use a certain subclass or whether or not you do? And it just does all of the addition and everything for you. Um, as you now we up. just need someone to do that for Foundry, please, because that's the one we exclusively use. And I love Foundry. It's amazing. <laughs> Shard is very good. I do recommend it if people haven't checked it out. But Foundry is just so good. It's just yeah, got to do everything cool. yourself. Mm. It's, it's a lot of work. But, you know, it's getting there. They've just had official support from... Um, Oh my god, I've just forgotten the games company. That's really bad. Free League. There we go. So you can now get things like Symbarum and um, Coriolis officially on there and Alien officially on there. So I'm hoping... I was just talking to um, Brian from Paizo yesterday. I was like, can you please nudge, nudge? I know you've just got this Demiplane stuff coming out, (laughs) but if you could nudge for Foundry release as well, that would be great. So yeah, I'm going to nudge, yeah. nudge you as well. Talk, reach out to people at Foundry. I'll see if I can get them to contact you. Yeah. I don't know any of yeah. them. I don't. I have no authority to say I'll get them to talk to you. I'll just harass yeah. them until they contact you because it'd be great <laughs> to have that in there officially. 
yeah yeah um and you know I've, I've been wanting to it wanted to have it be in like an interactive version because it makes it more accessible because I know that math is really hard and I do math uh for game design officially and it's hard like even yep. as somebody who does it as work you know um so yeah having uh just something that you can work straight on your character sheet and it's there is great um so yeah we're just really looking forward to that um you know uh and they've been really helpful and everything which is nice um and yeah i think i think that's like everything i've got planned for the combat wheelchair at the minute i've got some new stuff kind of in the the background um going on which involves you know making a catalog of like different charts from across the realms going to be some from like if you want to play in a horror kind of barovia setting so like nice. you get a wheelchair that's like good at you know fighting werewolves or vampires um, what about um just off my head ancient mythical kind of iron age bronze age stuff is there uh, some cool wheelchair stuff i can look into I've there been th- i've been thinking um about that kind of you know sort of uh, uh, like I guess genre vibe I guess that you would call yeah. it to apply to it an aesthetic that's it um, and yeah I want to do something like that and I also um, have some fun stuff like in terms of like um, Baldur's Gate like the fact that you can Mad Max Fury Road your wheelchair if you want yes. to kit it out have a soul forged engine and just really go for it you know um, <laughs> yeah so, so uh, cool. it's it's been it's been really fun just kind of at the minute i'm still in that process of what i normally do when i have because the combat wheelchair is something that like i think about the back of my mind and then like i'll be working on something that i've been you know hired to work on and then i'll be like oh i've got an idea and we'll like open up my notes and quickly write something down and then you know um so yeah it's kind of a mix of doing that at the minute um but I don't know when any new stuff for it will come out officially, but I, I have plans. So, and I have like, you know, more writing for, um, cause I know people are interested in reading more about talent and yes. some more fantasy writing for that coming up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Swashbuckling adventure um, is kind of the vibe for the next installment, I guess you would call it, or the next short story. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, what people make of it and also seeing what whatever happens in the industry next i guess in terms of disability content and inclusion and all of that um yeah i'm just yeah really excited to see what oh, uh i, I guess can't 20, wait 2022 brings you know Oof, how did that happen yeah that, that's yeah, i think quickly. since co- since covid happened time has no meaning like at all sure. <laughs> it just yeah. kind of all goes by <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's still... I, I keep turning to the wife and going, didn't we do that last week? She's like, that was 2018. Was it? Blimey. <laughs> yeah. And that was just our wedding. <laughs> Which, wait, 2018, 2019. How long have I been married? 2019. I can remember when I got married. It's fine. We've been together like a decade. It's yeah. It's wibbly yeah. wobbly. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I could literally talk to you all night, but your time is precious. Uh, and no, we've fine. already gone half an hour over. My apologies. People, if they don't know where to find you, then they've been living under a rock. But where can they find you? I pretty much do everything on Twitter, like all of my updates and everything. Um, and that's Mustangs, R-M-U-S-T-A-N-G-S-A-R-T. Um, and Combat Wheelchair is literally my pin tweet. Um, and sometimes I release stuff to Patreon that is free, so you don't have to be a patron to get it. It's just like 
a convenient place to put work and have people get it. Um, but I also have a Patreon as well if you want to pay for like behind the scenes things and be play testers for any new combat wheelchair content um, and other stuff. Uh, and yeah, I think I think that's everything. Um, and be sure to check out um, the the next Witcher tabletop uh, book which is Tome of Chaos that has been announced. I'm allowed to talk about it. Yes. Um, which is Tome of Chaos in which I wrote the adventure. Um, there's one adventure in it uh, and it was me who wrote it and it was a lot of fun um, if you like spooky things. So uh, Tome of Chaos is introducing brand new spells, new sorcerers, new lore, uh, new everything kind of uh, and updating the old spells as well as and when. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting. Um, and the, I've seen some artwork for it. Uh, I know that the cover got released. So if you check out the Artosaurian Games website on their blog for The Witcher, um, they released yeah. some of the, uh, the cover art for it and it's, it's really beautiful. I mean, all of their books are beautiful, but, um, this one especially so. Um, and I believe that either comes out in December this year or it's coming out early next year because, the industry is all over the place with publishing at the minute because COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's, yeah, so like, you know, kind of uh, the time frame has been, you know, moving as and when applicable. Um, and I'm sure like you'll be able to hear from them on Twitter or on their blog in the very near future about where they're at with that um, and, you know, a proper date, hopefully, eventually. Um, but definitely check it out. Um, get it. I think you can pre-order for it already. Um, I am drive through RPG. So if you go to drive through, um, you should be able to pre-order it or at least bookmark the page so that when it, you know, releases... Sign up for those notifications. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out, um, uh, not just for Witcher, but also for Cyberpunk. Um, I haven't worked on any of it, but but the uh, the cyberpunk stuff that like I've seen as you know um, been part of it and that they've talked about on Twitter, you know, there's a lot of cool new stuff coming out for that, so that's super exciting. Um, but yeah, that's uh, kind of everything for now that Ooh. I can legally talk about, um, and a, a bunch more that I legally can't. So, well, um, I'm sure if people yeah. are following your Twitter, they'll be able to find out the news as soon as it drops. Yes which is Definitely. the important thing. Thank you so much for coming on to our tiny little corner of the internet and talking to us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you. Um, and to everyone at home, this is it, I think, for today. That was a rubbish sign-off. That was it, me not really paying attention. <laughs> Zoned out. Sorry, folks. Uh, as always, may the Great Mother guide you in all that you do. See you, folks.